Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. 2 Corinthians, verse 15 of chapter 1. Paul has talked to us about um, his life and, and kind of is sharing with us his heart and what goes on in suffering and how he relies on the Lord. We also found out how God is a deliverer. He's the one that's always going to deliver us. We also know Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians, wanting to straighten out a few issues. Uh, just a handful of them, a few quick ones are, he wanted to encourage them to forgive and restore uh, the, some of the people that were having such serious issues that he had written about in, in 1 Corinthians. So that's some of the stuff that he was wanting to clear up. He wanted them to encourage them to forgive and restore. Then he also wanted to clear up some of his travel plans. He had some issues with some of his travel plans, and he, he was wanting to get there, and he couldn't quite get there. And, and you know, so now they're saying, oh, wow, well, you know, he's just not reliable. It wasn't really sincere. He didn't really do what he said he was going to do. Uh, those kind of things were being said. And then he also spends time defending or really clarifying uh, his apostleship that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. So those are some of the things. It's not all, but those are some of the main thrusts of what's happening. So there's some issues being cleared up in the very beginning, as Paul writes, uh, about his travel plans. And, and this kind of, as we get ver into verse 15, we start hitting some of that because they're saying, hey, maybe he's not really as sincere. And he's saying, no, in verse uh, 12, he said, no, I, we came to you in sincerity. We, we were we, not insincere. We came with sincerity, godly sincerity, and simplicity. That we came with those things. That's who we are. That our message came to you that way, and there's nothing different between the messenger and the message. This is who we are. This is what we brought to you. We lived with you 18 months. You know, he, he was very open about his life with them, and God really blessed and developed an awesome church there. And so as he hits verse 15, let's pick it up in verse 15 now. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and to be helped by you on my way to Judea. You remember, he was picking up, remember, this offering that he was trying to bridge this gap, remember, between the Gentile church and the Messianic believers. Remember in Jerusalem, he's trying to bridge that gap. Now he understands both because he's called to serve them, but he himself is a, a Messianic Jew. So, I mean, he's a, he's a believer uh, in Jesus Christ, but he's also of Jewish descent and heritage. So he understood both worlds very well because of his ministry and, and, his, and his experiences and stuff. So he was trying to bridge that gap a little bit and kind of cause them to have good unity together. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you just look over in your Bible, maybe on the other page, on mine, it's just right on the other side. In verse uh, 5, it says, now, I, this was his original, his, his intention and his plans. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. This is his intent. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. So that'd be awesome. We could really hang out together, fellowship. We could do some more ministry together. That you may send me on my journey wherever I go. 
For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you. And then in the latter part of verse 7 says, if the Lord permits. Basically, God willing. That's always the heart. That's always the intent. And I think we make plans. We develop our plans. We get our schedules. Gosh, don't we? I mean, it's, it gets even more and more difficult all the time. You know, we get this rigid schedule. We got these things and commitments. And, and I think that's good. We, we, we have commitments. We have things that we're committed to. But man, we want to be open and flexible and open to the leading of the Lord in our commitments and let give room for God's will to be done. Just as we opened in prayer, knowing that there's some things that God says no about, and it's really to our benefit. <laughs> there's a lot of things we look back on maybe and say, oh, thank you, God, that you said no to that and didn't do what we, what we would have maybe wanted you to do. But God knows what's best. Paul's yielded to that, and he wants to not only go to be with them, to bless them, but he knows that they are a huge blessing to him, that we might share good fellowship, verses 15 and 16. Verse 17, therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly, or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. He says, man, I'm, I'm try, I want to do what I say I'm going to do, but you got to understand that's my intention, but I'm also open to, and I would think you would understand that God willing, I'm intending to do that. It doesn't always go exactly. How many of you had, you know, you make these big plans, you got this schedule laid out, and then sometimes, man, I have Holy Spirit interrupt us that happens sometimes. Things go on, things happen, and I got to, I got to attend to something that I didn't intend to get involved in. It, it just happens. And he says here, my intention was to do this, and yes, inside myself, I want to say yes to this and no to that and be very decisive and clear, but hey, it, things can change. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no or just strictly that. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Remember, he had sent that letter, and it was difficult. He said some difficult things. He was wanting to hear a response. Now, we just did something unique today. We shot a text off to a brother who has a need, and we just want to encourage him, right? We just want to bless the guy. He's a friend of ours. We want to bless him. We send that off. It's almost instantaneous. You see, prayer travels instantaneous. I love Tuesday mornings with the guys. We can travel the globe together through prayer, bringing people before the Lord and friends and family, missionaries, different things going on. I love it. We can travel the globe and never leave the office area in there. It's just, it's wonderful. It's an awesome experience. Very encouraging. Well, the text thing you send, boom, it's instantaneous. It goes out similar in, in that way. But it wasn't, the prayer was like that. For Paul. But text messaging wasn't, you know, the, all the towers, the cell towers weren't put up yet. You know, he didn't quite, he didn't have good coverage where he was, you know. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. It wasn't the same as it is today. Our communication travels so quickly, doesn't it? Money moves around the world like that. Just, just moment to moment. It's just going all over. That's how fast money moves now. 
It can sound just like that, too. But you get what I'm saying. It moves so quickly. Everything happens. Communication. Paul's waiting for a written correspondence or for some representative to be sent to him to let him know, hey, they heard what you said and they received it. They aren't all mad at you, dude. It's all okay. You know, he doesn't know that. He's just kind of waiting. He doesn't want to just go there and get in the middle of some big thing and be a big discouragement or something. And so he writes this. He goes, man, I I wanted to spare you. I, I didn't want to come to Corinth with that going on. Not that we have dominion over your faith, he says, but our fellow workers, we are together in this for your joy, for by faith you stand. But I determined within myself, that I should not come again to you in sorrow. Because I don't want to come to you and, and be all bummed out about everything and have these, these things weighing heavy and have it be a bad scene. He says, for if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? He says, man, that's such a bummer. I want to hang out with you, but if by me being there, it makes you all bummed out and, and causes conflict, I, that's not going to be good. That's, you know, I want to be a, 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 I want to share in good things together. I think that's important. I think it's a great thing to note, you know, the desire to have good relationship and fellowship and enjoy time together. I think that's Paul's desire in this situation. Now, that's all the bulk of Scripture we're going to cover, but we're going to go back just a little bit into verse 20 for a couple of minutes, and we're going to camp out and spend a little bit of time, verse 20, 21, maybe 22, because there's some very significant things there. One of the most wonderful things that has ever happened to any person on the face of this earth is when they say yes to Jesus Christ, when they give their life to the Lord. That is the most powerful thing that can ever happen to a person. I believe it's the beginning of the newness of life. Bible talks about being born again, You know, we say yes to Jesus, we receive him into our hearts, and the Bible tells us that when we open our lives to the Lord, that he comes into our hearts and he makes our heart his home. He moves in. He makes his home inside of you, inside of me. Now, brothers and sisters, please, if you don't hear anything else, this is so important and so significant. I recognize that that is one of the most important things, but I have found something, and this is not blasphemous, okay? But I have found something to be of equal, if not even more value in understanding and in walking in this. Nothing is greater than the salvation you've received. I could never diminish that. I would never do that. But there is something that is within that. It is one thing that Jesus lives inside of you and inside of me. That is awesome. It is the most wonderful truth to know. And there's another sliver of something, though, that you never want to miss. And as we read this this morning, it kind of starts to capsulate that. For all the promises of God, look at what it says after that. In him are yes. And then it says, in him, amen. This in him is very, very important. Not only is Jesus Christ living inside of you by the power of the Spirit, not only is Jesus living in you, And that is awesome. But this parallel truth, the thing that happens simultaneously with you opening your life to him and him moving in and making your heart his home is that you also now are in him. The best illustration I've ever heard of this involves a, a, a large aircraft, a plane. 
How many of you really like gyoza and really crave gyoza? I know one. There's one for sure. Erico really likes gyoza. Robert likes gyoza. Some of us who've been and spent time in Japan really like good gyoza, okay? Now, you don't find super good gyoza around here, but if you really want really good gyoza and you desire to get good gyoza, you can set out on this journey and try and figure out, well, how am I going to get good gyoza? Well, I'm going to have to go over to Tokyo to get really good gyoza. But then I start thinking about how am I going to get there? But the idea is, if at some point in time, I get in the plane, and I get on the plane, now I'm wanting to get to that destination. I want that. But I have to get in something to get there. So it's, we, we really, in our desire to follow the Lord and to know the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord, we, we not only does he live within us, but we get in with him. Let me go to Deuteronomy just for a moment, chapter 11. This will really, I think, help the blank stares that I receive. Okay, when we talk about the promises of God, someone who totals these things up has come up with over 3,000 Bible promises of God. Over 3,000 in the word of promises. That's a lot, huh? Now, a lot of people live in Deuteronomy, and this is a struggle that we face as believers. We live in Deuteronomy 11, beginning in verse 22, because this is where the promises, it kind of launches into this concept about the promises. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. And every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. In the Old Testament, it is consistently, if you, then I will. If, then. That's the way it works. All the Old Testament works that way in the promises. If, then. This is a tough thing for me. This is a tough thing for all of us. It's consistent. If, then. We can spend a lot of our Christian experience in that same mentality. If, then. Paul is teaching something very, very significant in 2 Corinthians. In just verse 20, something very important. What portion of the Bible do you believe that the brand new believers, the New Testament church that he's writing to, in Corinth, what portion of Scripture do you think they used and had? They didn't have the canonized New Testament of the Bible. They didn't have what you're enjoying. What did they have? They had the if, then. They had all of the Old Testament available to them as God's Word, but they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. They didn't have that. You've got that. I've got that. We're blessed by that. We're blessed by that Scripture, and it's awesome that Paul would write to them and, and that they would receive that. But what when he's writing this and he says, for all the promises, all the promises, all of those promises, all of the if-thens, all of them, all of those promises, the Old Testament, he says, in him are yes, in him, amen, or so be it. Now, if things are going well, 
So if things are going well, then you and I feel like then, God, we will be the recipient. If things are well, then I might be able to be a recipient. The problem is, is now if I go into that mentality, then, if I am doing well in my walk and I feel like I've, I've, I've read just the right amount devotional, I prayed just the right amount, this is why I hate religion, because I think religion leads to this. It leads to a piety. It leads to a, a, a prideful vantage point that God then owes, you see? If I've done this, so God, you owe me, then you owe me, God. Now that's prideful, and that's, that's a whole nother issue of sin, right? That's a whole nother thing, because God's not going to be the respecter of persons. So now I'm, oh, wow, I'm in a real quandary inside myself. Because if things are going well, then I think God owes me. But now I'm out of line because I'm caught up in my own prideful attitude of I've done the right thing, so now God owes me and is obligated to bless. When all of this is contained in the person of Jesus Christ, all of it, you see, because I'm frustrated with the ifs and the thens. I'm frustrated by that. And you know what? You're supposed to be. The Bible says you're supposed to be. The New Testament declares to us, Paul tells us in Galatians, that the, that the, the Old Testament, the law itself, was to be our schoolmaster, our tutor. Something that would drive us to the cross, which represents what? God's grace, unmerited love and favor for you and for me. That's this powerful truth. This can revolutionize your Christian experience. Because hung, hung up, I was going to say hunkered down, but hung up's good. Um, hung up or hunkered down in, this thought, either way is okay. But stuck in that mentality of the ifs and the thens is all legalism. And you and I are frustrated by that. Because you see, or we go into a prideful viewpoint of ourselves. Either way, we're in trouble with God. It, 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 it's a breach. It's going to breach our relationship either way. So the frustration part is because I know I can't live up to all the ifs. I can't do it. But that frustration is right where God wants you and me to be because the, the law is our schoolmaster, our tutor. This, this thing that drives us to the grace and the goodness, unmerited love and favor. The idea is, is one of the greatest truths as we started, I know, is that he lives within you. But parallel to that is that you and I are in him. When you take Jesus' name, he lived the perfect life. And you can put him in front of all of the ifs in the promises. And Jesus fulfills them perfectly for you, for me. Jesus does all of the ifs on your behalf and mine. He's done the work. He's done it all for us. And all we have to do is acknowledge that we are in him. Stop fighting with the ifs and trying to live a life that you cannot do. It's frustrating. It's actually a bit discouraging. It's kind of a bummer. The promises are yes. It's not contingent on your perfect life because you're not going to do it, and it's okay. 
This is the goodness of God, the grace of God, his love for you. What a powerful thing to walk away with and to understand. When the ifs go well, pride can set in, and now I'm disqualified from the promises. I'm just further discouraged. (laughs) I'm frustrated. The law points me now, though, because of that, I understand We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our righteousness. We can't earn the blessings of God. It just drives us to the cross, and it's grace, grace, grace. If you become legalistic and get hung up on the ifs, then everything, how you see other people and every other circumstance is ifs also, ifs and thens. It's all based on that. And it it distorts then that love, that unmerited love and favor that we can extend toward one another because we, we will fail each other. Paul says he understands that those promises are based on if and then. These are the promises that he's talking about. That's that's the only portion of scripture that they have at the time. But he says here, it's truly yes. And we would say, so be it. Amen. We would be in agreement with it, not based on our performance. It's no longer based on performance, but it's based on a person and a personal relationship. There's there's wonderful truths throughout the scriptures, obviously, wonderful promises and great things, but they're all ours in him. It's just in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in anything else. He's fulfilled all the ifs. As a matter of fact, you can place his name in there as we mentioned, and it does not distort or change the text whatsoever in its fulfillment. You can read it through there in Deuteronomy and just say, Jesus does then, and it works. And we just need to be seen and found in him. And we need to acknowledge that it's him. In chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, it says in verse 26, this kind of makes this all the more clear to us what we read. It hopefully expands our understanding a little bit. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. God has chosen the things base things of the world and the things which are despised and God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him you are in Christ Jesus Thank you for tuning in today and for listening to the radio program, for listening to God's Word. And I know God has a perfect plan for your life, and it starts, really, by giving our hearts to the Lord. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, or you're just in a place where you're, you, you have a sense that you're distant from God, and you just want to open your life up to the Lord, you know, the Word says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that's full of grace and mercy, that he's willing to pardon all of our sin, to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. It's a simple prayer just to give your life to Jesus. Man, all things become new when we give our lives to the Lord. If you just pray this simple prayer along with me, Jesus, I want to open my heart up to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin, my unrighteousness, that you would pardon me. I thank you so much for that grace and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, thank you for the love that put you on the cross, that you did that willingly for me. And Lord, again, I I just open my heart to you. I receive you as my personal Lord and my Savior. And I thank you for that free gift of everlasting life that you've given me. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.